When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, the, we're going to talk about the the B-hole UFO. It's a very interesting story. Not a lot of people know about this. It was only there was only one article ever published about it. It was in my the local newspaper here from Schuylkill County, Pennsylvania, the Possible Republican, back in 1997. Okay, let's uh, for a little context how this story came about and uh, how I found out about it. I, I was I, I, I'm a former newspaper reporter. I, I was a reporter for about 14 years. I started uh, as a reporter uh, in Pennsylvania, in Schuylkill County, Pennsylvania, uh, working for the uh, Standard Speaker in Hazleton as a freelancer and then as a freelancer at the Potsdam Republican in the late 90s. And then I went back to the Standard Speaker for a little while as a freelancer, and then the, I was hired full time. And I, I then I lived in I, I moved uh, in in two thousand one. I li- I went to Iowa where I was there for five and a half years, working as a government, city government, and county government reporter for the Hawkeye, which is Iowa's oldest newspaper. And then after that, I moved to Hawaii, uh, the Big Island. And I was a reporter for West Hawaii Today. I was the county government reporter for West Hawaii Today. And when I moved back to Pennsylvania in uh, 2009, I was in Hawaii for, for uh, a little over two years, from 2007 to, till 2009. And then I moved back to Pennsylvania. And in 2010, I worked at a, uh, a news uh, or uh, a state uh, government news uh, wire service called Capital Wire for about a year. So that's the extent that was pretty much around 13 to 14 years worth of uh, reporting that I did. And back in 1997, I was I was freelancing at the Potsdam Republican, and uh, it was the 50th anniversary of Roswell. So what I did was I went through the archives, and uh, I found, you know, from 50 years before to see if there were any UFO sightings uh in you know in this area where i lived at and then also to write an article about roswell and um and anyway i did find i found that there was the uh, the fir- very first ufo sighting in uh schuylkill county it happened in a little town called new philadelphia and there was a few guys that had seen a ufo stand there standing outside on a corner and uh uh these guys saw a ufo in the article from 1947 uh you know indicated that uh you know, they, it was a, you know, just your classic flying saucer that they saw in broad daylight flying. Well, anyway, I, there was one, one of those people was still alive at the time. Uh, his name was uh, Thomas Skip Schneider. Um, and so I tracked him down and I did an interview with him and he told me about this UFO sighting he had. And anyway, I used to go to this, uh, I was, li- at the time I was living in this little town, a little, you know, former coal mining town called Mahanoy Plain. And, uh, you know, it, this is this whole area is basically a you know it used to be a really big coal area and now there's still some coal mining here but it's really not that uh, big of a deal anymore as it used to be back in the old days. Um, anyway, I was down I was at a bar in uh, the nearby little town of Gerardville and I there was this old guy I used to talk to and I you know I talk, tell him some of the articles I'd be working on and one of the articles 
you know, I mentioned was the the story about the 50th anniversary of Roswell, and we were talking about UFOs, and then he he basically said, you know, I I could tell you a story, and he did. Uh, this guy this guy's name was uh, Leonard Ulosis. He was 67 years old at the time, um, in 1997, and uh, he told this story that he saw something. It was either in uh, 1968 or 1969 at these at this uh, old former stripping pit that was filled with water and um and actually let me explain this outside uh uh just east of gerardville like in the eastern end of gerardville like uh near some railroad tracks that's a little bit outside of town there's there were these old stripping pits and they were filled with filled with water the a hole the b hole and the c hole that's what they. That's what they. That's what they were referred to, and uh, back in the '60s, uh, Ulosis, uh he worked as a as a, like a sort of a security guard. And uh, anyway, I dug up this article. I'm going to read read the article that I uh, wrote at that time in 1997, and then we'll talk more about the, what happened here. Okay, the article. The headline for this article was "After Three Decades." After three decades of silence, Gerardville's story emerges. Um, for almost 30 years, Leonard A. Ulozis has kept a secret, but the hoopla surrounding the 50th anniversary of the Roswell incident, the alleged crash of a UFO and discovery of alien bodies in New Mexico, caused him to finally blurt it out. Ulozis, now 67, and a friend who still will not speak publicly about it, saw what they believed to have seen saw what they believed to have been a ufo the site was the water-filled stripping pit known as the b-hole in the eastern end of the borough the time was in march of 1968 or 1969 it was early one saturday morning right after a heavy snowstorm as ulosis a gerardville a gerard estates maintenance worker was checking the b-hole for illegal dumping his airedale bumsy usually afraid of nothing traipsed through the uh, deep snow with with him but when they reached the b-hole the dog refused to go any further now let me just stop with the article for a second and explain here a little bit now these old stripping pits i mean these are gigantic you know holes you know uh with just that they, they stripped out you know they're all like giant holes that were dug and then they got then after a long time they got filled with water from rain and they're very dangerous and actually uh, the, one of the holes called the a-hole there were over the years there's been many people who've drowned in these things the, like they're very deep and then there's an undercurrent there you know people get pulled under and they end up drowning it's very sad sometimes it's also, there was another incident I, I remember reading about where somebody fell in after uh, a minor fell in after getting his head you know something hit uh, hit hit in the head with a rock and he fell in and ended up drowning so these places are pretty dangerous and you know some people would go over there and 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 uh dump garbage and and so ulosis was hired by this the the, the company uh, the, that owned these this area uh, gerard estates and uh, as a as a security guard so anyway back to the article the dog refused to go any further I knew something was wrong. Something was out of place, Jaloza said. When I, when I finally looked down into the B-hole, I saw that there was a perfectly cut circle in the ice about 60 or 70 feet in diameter. So, you know, let's take a break from the article. So basically, the the b-hole it was cold out it snowed the day before and there was it was the b-hole was covered with ice but there was a perfectly cut circle you is saying 
Okay. At first, uh, he thought some youths must have cut the hole, but then he quickly discarded that notion because they'd have to be crazy to walk on that. It had to be a UFO submerged in the stripping pit, he concluded. He looked for footprints in the snow, but found nothing. Then he heard a noise. When he looked into the pit, the, the object was already in the air, up in the sky, and then gone in a flash. Ulozis's friend, who was about 500 feet away from him, claimed to see the disc shoot out of the hole, shoot out of the hole, and disappear like a bullet straight up. When Ulozis met up with his friend, they dis they decided to keep what they had seen to themselves. Everyone would think they were crazy. They surmised. What Ulozis saw must have been from another world, he said, and he is only breaking his silence now because he's gotten to a point in life where he doesn't care if anyone believes him or not. People can take it or leave it, he said. So that was the story of the B-hole UFO. Basically, very uh, in a way, it's reminiscent of, uh, you know, in a, in, in a way of the thing from another world. Okay, there, now a lot of people are probably familiar with the 1982 science fiction film, The Thing, John Carpenter's The Thing, and then there was a, a prequel to that called the same thing, called The Thing, uh, released about I guess uh, 2011, I, I, I believe. Uh, and also, but actually those movies, there was actually the original version called The Thing from Another World uh, that was released in 1951. And uh, in that movie, and which was actually this movie, all those movies were based on a short story called Who Goes There by uh, an author named John Campbell that was written in 1937. But anyway, in the, in the 1951 version of The Thing, uh, if you haven't seen it, I'm sure many people have. It's a classic. And if you haven't seen it, I highly recommend that you do as soon as possible. Um, in the 1951 version of The Thing from Another World, uh, these scientists working in the Arctic, uh, you know, find uh, find this uh, a flying saucer, you know, crashed into the ice. It's underneath the ice. And then they, they burn it. They try to burn it out. Uh, but the thing explodes, and the only thing that's left is is the body of this alien. And, and so they cut it out. It's in a block of ice, and then uh, they take it back to their base and uh, this big block of ice with the alien in it. And while they're waiting to find out uh, what to do with it from headquarters, uh, one of the uh, uh, army personnel puts a, a electric blanket over it and the thing melts and next thing you know there's this the thing is is loose and it's murderous and it's you know it, it apparently has a plan to take over the world anyway you got to see the movie i don't want to ruin ruin it on you but that's what this sound i mean it's it's reminiscent of that well you know basically he saw something that was you know looked like you know, there was a you know a some, there was a circle cut, a perfect circle cut out in the, in the ice. And then like, he didn't know what to think of it. Next thing you know, there was something flying out of it. A flying saucer flew out of it. Uh, it's an amazing story. But, you know, again, this was, you know, at the time he, uh, you know, this was during, I guess he, at this time, this uh, Mr. Lulosis uh, wasn't concerned anymore about what people thought. I mean, even though the government was still, you know, uh, ridiculing, uh, the, the the idea that there's extraterrestrials visiting Earth. I mean, at the time, and at, when I when I wrote this article, uh, this was when right when the Air Force had released uh, another report about the Roswell incident, and they were trying to claim in that report that there were that extraterrestrials, three 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 and a half foot tall alien beings with large heads and giant eyes that people saw back in 1947 and 
uh, outside the Roswell, New Mexico, uh, were actually not uh, aliens or extraterrestrials. Uh, they were actually uh, anthropomorphic dummies, you know, similar to, you know, mannequins in a store. So somehow they think that what people saw, they were trying to say that what people saw the Air Force was, what people claim to have seen back then was actually dummies. Now, of course, that story is preposterous on its face. Uh, that's not what the people described, uh, but that's what the Air Force tried to, to tell us. But again, you know, that, that goes back to the, you know, the situation that we're, we've been putting up with for how many years now? I mean, for <laughs> since 1947. You know the government has been keeping a lid on these things. Now we're gonna, which are starting to, you know, ease. They're starting to come out with information. They're starting to feed us some stuff. They're, you know, I think it's a slow burn. They, they, they can't come out with it all at once because, I mean, God knows. I mean, you know, who, who knows what the, uh, you know, how, what the reaction would be from 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 the masses. I mean, again, uh, as I stated, as I have stated before, there will be some panic there's going to be a lot of people who just aren't going to be able to accept it i mean they don't they can't accept it right now and you i mean you tell these stories like a lot of people i remember a lot of people i you know knew a lot of my friends back then when they read this article back in 1997 they thought it was funny you know it's <laughs> it's I, I thought it was fascinating personally i mean when this guy told me the story mr ulozas told me this story i thought it was absolutely fascinating i don't i you know i he wasn't i don't you know i i didn't sense that this guy was telling me a story making something up just to get his name in the paper that's not what the situation was in fact like like it was almost as though he had to think about like he he was unsure if he wanted to tell me but he knew that I was a reporter. I was hungry at the time. I was a hungry reporter. I was always trying to dig up, you know, the extra story. And actually, this, this, there was actually three articles, you know, included in this. When I, it was, it was like a package deal. I basically wrote three different articles. You know, one on the, the initial uh, sighting that happened in New Philadelphia in 1947, and then I had something in about the the Roswell uh, situation, the the 50 year. Um, you know, anniversary, and also this uh, Gerardville incident. So, you know, it was basically, uh, you know, a multi-story, you know, package that I prepared for the for the newspaper back then, and uh, you know, it was it was a lot of fun. Actually, I could you know go over this other story about the New Philadelphia. I'll go. I could you know read this story here a little bit for what happened with this guy who saw the UFO in 1947. Uh, this is the, the the title of this article was the New Philadelphia incident, and uh, uh, here it is. Fifty years ago today, a UFO was reported to have crashed in the desert of New Mexico in what is now known as the famous Roswell incident. The very same day, Schuylkill County had a UFO incident of its own. Five men sitting on the porch of the Pat McQuail Tavern here saw what they described as a flying disc in the sky. Four of the men, Patrick McQuail, John O'Hearn, William Farrell, and Daniel Finley, have since died. The only survivor of the group, Thomas A. Skip Schneider, 75, still stands by their story. An article on the newspaper's July 9, 1947 front page gave an account of how at 11.50 a.m. that day, the men saw a spinning disc, light gray in color, and traveling at tremendous
a tremendous uh, speed, faster than any airplane they have ever seen. The local story appeared under a two-column Associated Press photo that showed Major Jesse R. Marcel of the Army Air Corps holding a piece of the metal that fell out of the sky over Roswell. It was a piece of weather recording device, not a, not a flying disc, the caption says. Schneider, who was 25 at the time, still remembers the New Philly incident vividly. It was a very nice, clear day, and we were sitting on the tavern porch talking, and I was waiting to go to work, Schneider said. He was on second shift at the nearby Luciana Colliery Breaker. The tavern at 57 Valley Road burned in 1971. We were talking about baseball or something when O'Hearn, when o, when O'Hearn said, what the hell is that, Schneider recalled. Above the Holy Family School, now the Holy Family Apartments on Valley Road, was a gray disc flying at about 200 feet. We were sitting there on the steps when we noticed this thing hovering over. I never saw anything like it before or since. It definitely wasn't a plane because it was traveling too fast. Another odd thing about the object, which was about 12 feet in diameter and flying east, was that it didn't emit any sound. It was one of the strangest things I ever saw, Schneider said. The sighting only lasted about 30 seconds, but the weirdness of it uh, still is still emblazoned in Schneider's memory. Directly, direct, directly afterward, McQuail called the newspaper and a reporter came out to interview the eyewitnesses. The incident was not reported to the Air, For or Air Force, so the men never got an explanation of what they might have seen. But Schneider, who served in World War II from 1943 to 1945, might not have believed anything except that it was... Hold on, we lost the end of the story... Anything that it, believe anything except that it was a UFO. He certainly doesn't believe the Air Force's explanation that what witnesses saw in the sky and on the ground in, in Roswell was a weather balloon. Many on this anniversary date still believe a UFO crashed there and alien bodies and technology were recovered by the United States government. The Air Force claims the bodies were anthropomorphic dummies in its latest report, the Roswell Report, Case Closed authored by James McAndrew. Let me just say something about James McAndrew. This guy was he this guy was great at misinformation and 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 you know providing you know he was really I mean he, you, you see this guy talking on TV you could just tell by his face he's, he's just he's laughing at you. He he's just telling you nonsense. Anyway, back to the article. They must think we're the dummies said Schneider who works as as a starter at White he was working as a starter at White Birch Golf Course at the time Barnesville. Of the 12,618 UFO sightings reported to the Air Force for Project Blue Book, an investigation into the UFO phenomenon from 1947 to 1969, 701 remain unexplained, according to G Gloria Kales, Air Force Public Affairs Representative, who works in the Pentagon. According to Kales, the Air Force closed Project Blue Book because it was determined that the flying disc never posed any danger to national security. It is unlikely the Air Force will ever reopen an investigation into UFO mystery because of a decrease in defense budgets, she said. That's very, very interesting. Well, as we all know, that was not the truth because they've been investigating this stuff all along. In fact, they just basically admitted it. Um, we, we know for a fact that it's been, these things have been getting investigated, uh, for a long time. And, uh, it's going to be interesting. Again, I can't, uh, tell you exactly. I mean, I, I'm very excited about this upcoming, uh, report to Congress. That's going to be very, very interesting. I, I, I really want to see what that's all about. But uh, again, th this is—I mean, these 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 stories here that I had reported at the time. Okay, that was the first one that happened, in, uh, or the first one I was talking about from 1968 or 1969, with Leonard Ulosis and the the flying disc coming out of the ice, and then there, of course, there was the 
incident that happened years earlier in 1947. It was never reported, except in a newspaper. It was just articles. You know, these a lot of articles they get lost. And in fact, when I was in Iowa, I did I did other research. I found, uh, you know, I did some articles there, and I'll talk about those uh, those incidents at, uh, you know, at some point too. But uh, there was a guy. Uh, I, I remember from one of those Iowa articles, there was something that happened in the 1920s. Um, there was an incident where, uh, I guess this was, I had found an article. I was dig I was preparing some UFO uh, articles for the Hawkeye uh, in the early 2000s. And uh, I don't have that article in front of me right now. I will talk about that at some point in the future. But in more detail. But in, in that, uh, when I was doing the research, I, I had found some stuff from 1973 when there was a lot of hoopla about the eight, uh, you know, about this Aurora, you know, incident that had come to light at that point. There, you know, so there was some articles uh, published locally in the Hawkeye during that time. You know, that people, different people were interviewed, and there was some guy that I remember that was interviewed uh, who talked about seeing something in the 1920s while he was fishing it was i think it was, i believe it was on a day he was to be married and in that morning on the day he was to be married he decided to go fishing down at the mississippi river uh this was in burlington iowa I, I lived there for five and a half years and i actually went fishing at the mississippi river numerous times it's very nice nice to go fishing on the mississippi river but anyway this guy decided to go fishing and uh he saw something he said it looked like a milk can uh just hovering around like it wasn't that big it was just this looked like this metal object just floating above the, the water that he was uh, fishing at. And there was no sound and uh, just, you know, he just watched it and it just kept, you know, just it, it was hovering above the water and it just hovered until it hovered away. And a milk can, if you, you know, I, you know, I looked these things up. They're basically in the old days, there were these metal cans, like, you know, maybe the size of a small ash can. They, they, they were used to hold, milk and that's what he described it as and he said he he was reporting this in 1973 he was telling this to a newspaper reporter in 1973 but he never said anything about it in the 1920s because of the comment that he made a comment to the effect of you didn't talk about something like that back then i could understand i mean okay you're talking the 1920s this is long before the big ufo wave that you know all the ufo sightings that started happening in 1947 and beyond uh, I guess people back then were a little bit more, if you saw something like that, uh, maybe you don't want to say anything about it in the 1920s. I mean, for one thing, I'm sure that he wasn't thinking extra, extraterrestrial, you know, I mean, who knows what he was thinking? I don't know if, if I was if living in 1921 or whatever, I think it was early twenties. If I'm living in the 1920s and I see something, uh, you know, floating above the, you know, a river, you know, and it's, there's no sound and it's made of metal and it's just, you know, hovering and then moving around and ma making maneuvers unlike anything I've ever seen before. Yeah, I think I might keep that to myself too. I mean, that's not something you want to, you know, broadcast back then. I mean, next thing you know, you might be getting taken away somewhere. But I did find it curious that the, <laughs> that the guy, that this guy in, in Iowa in the 1920s on the day he's going to get married, he decides to go down, you know, to go fishing on that day in the morning, I guess maybe to calm his, calm his nerves. I mean, I don't know. I, I just think that was, I mean, I guess he's about to, uh, you know, tie the knot and he's going to be, you know, tied down for the rest of his life. And I guess he figured, oh, I guess I better get one more, one more day of fishing. And well, I guess he, he had a big surprise that day, but, uh, yeah, you know, this is, uh, these things, uh, 
are out there. You know, and it, here's another thing. You know, you could live your whole life and never see one of these things. I, I got lucky. You know, one time I saw something. I saw a UFO up close and personal. I saw, well, I'm not going to, you know, it's unidentified. I don't know what it is. And I'll, I always I always say this. It was unidentified, but it, it, it couldn't have been made by humans. It's just impossible. You know, the thing that I saw in 1994 was, you know, <laughs> it was not made by hum, humankind. There's just no way. I mean, this thing moved and you know, through the sky, uh, you know, very close to trees, uh, you know, without making a sound. I mean, and it moved in directions. It could just move in any, it seemed like it could move, it moved in any direction and it wanted to, that's what it was doing. And uh, I've never, I, I just, you know, it's just inexplicable. It's just, you know, it, and when those incidents do happen to you, when you, like, cause it's all, if it does happen to you, if you've never seen one and then the day happens where you see something up close like that, like I did that time, uh, you're amazed. I mean, you're. It's. A, it, I. I can't tell you how shocked you are when it's happening. Like, like it's so. Like you'll never forget it. It's. It's a very memorable thing. Now, there. You know, there are things. You know, people look up way. Like you'll see things in the sky sometimes, and they might be extraterrestrial. A lot of times they're just planes or whatever. But I mean, sometimes people think they see things that are far away, and it, but it's hard to really say. You don't know. It's, it could be a plane. You know, there was a night, you know, probably around t uh, 10 or 11 years ago where I was standing outside. I'm looking straight up and then it was a very clear night and I could, could have sworn I saw this giant triangle like way up there. Like there was, you know, it was shaped like a triangle. There was, a, you know, just a light, uh, you know, in the front, a little, a little light, like a dot and, you know, and, and the two back ends. So the, the, all the corners were like lit up, but it was way up there. It seemed like it was outside of the earth's atmosphere. It looked small, but at the same time, it, you know, I, I, from, from the, because of the distance, I had to think this thing had to be huge, but I don't know. You know, I don't know what that was. And I can't say, I mean, I'm not, you know, it could have been something else. I just don't know. But the, see, that's the thing. It's when they're up close to you, when you see it up close and they're right in front of you, you know, when they're right there and you're looking at it and you just can't believe your eyes. I mean, even though, you know, you know, the, the fear, the awe, there's a lot of different emotions you, you feel when this, when this happens, when these, when, when, when something, when you see one of these things, but they're real, they're real. And, and, you know, it's it's going to be interesting. I can, I'm very much looking forward to this uh, Pentagon report. Uh, it's it's nice. It seems like the stigma, like the government is is moving in a, in the right direction here, starting to you know release information, starting to come clean about you know what they got, you know what they know. Um, they're not outright coming out and saying, yeah, these are extraterrestrials, but you know they're they're getting pretty close. It's coming pretty close. Uh, I mean, as far as I think, I mean, basically what they are doing, they're, they're saying that, I mean, they're, they're, li they're letting you decide. I mean, but there is no, there's really not much to think about here. I mean, we just don't have things that can do this. So obviously these things are coming, uh, they're piloted by beings that are not human and they're coming from someplace else. And of course, how many reports do you need to hear? How many stories from, from different witnesses do you need to hear before you realize? And you're seeing these things with your own eyes on the video that's provided by the Pentagon and by just private people over the years. Photographs. I mean, the McMinn, McMinnville uh, UFO, you know, back in the early 50s. I mean, how many images do you need to see to, to make you understand that this is a reality? Because it is reality. Reality is we are being visited by extraterrestrials, and we have been for a long time, for a very long time. I mean, there's been things spotted, you know, 
you know, well before 1947. Of course, like I just said, that 1920s. But some people, you know, there's there, there's images that crop up and uh, paintings from you know, the Middle Ages. You know, I mean, there's just there's been all kinds. I mean, biblical times. There, there's been uh, things that sound like they could have been UFOs, as described in the in the Bible. So this has been going on a long time. I just think that you know, the focus that there's there's more go, there's more activity going on now, or maybe that's always been going on like this, and we just never noticed it before because people really didn't look up at the sky as much. I mean, you know, they start looking up at the sky a lot more, you know, when there's airplanes flying around all the time. Um, but again, you know, you know, abductions, things like that. That stuff didn't seem to start until you know. We didn't hear stories like that. And, you know, the first stories apparently were happening in the 50s. Of course, the very first well-known case was the uh, Betty and Barney Hill that happened in the 60s. Uh, I mean, how many different cases of that? I mean, we really haven't heard about stories like this before. But maybe these things were happening long ago. And that's where, you know, people, uh, but they were actually boogie. You know, people would say that there were ghosts or something else. Or, you know, goblins or, you know, that, that's where those stories came from. Possibly. I don't know. It's all speculation. But I, what I do know is there's something going on. What they're doing here, again, we do not know. But it's it's happening. And, uh, you know, we need to uh, accept it. People need to, to, to start accepting this. And, uh, and we need to, so we can under, and then talk about it. Okay, they're here. Okay, what's going on? What do you know? I want to know. Everyone wants to know more information. There's been a lot of UFO researchers over the years, you know, who've, uh, you know, come and gone. They've been waiting for disclosure. Now they're gone. Like Stanton Friedman, you know, he was a nuclear physicist and he's di he died recently in the last couple of years. And it's a shame that he's still not around. You know, I would, it would have been nice for someone like him to be around when disclosure happened. Anyway, that's going to be it for uh, this podcast episode. Uh, thank you very much for listening.